to know, who am I? Who am I? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Why am I in the earth? Uh, what am I supposed to be doing? What is my potential? What are my abilities? What, are, what is the, the most that I can do, the most that I can expand to? Uh, where did I come from? That's a big one that everyone wants to know. What's my source? Where did I come from? Because your source carries your identity. If you want to know who you are, you've got to know where you came from. Uh, if you, uh, everybody wants to know where they're going. Where am I going? Uh, I think a big problem that we have in life today is we don't know where we're going, so we don't know when we get there. If you don't have a goal or destination in mind, you'll never know when you achieve it. You'll never know when you do it. And so, uh, you know, I I see a lot of people, and even in the church I still see it, uh, people that are searching. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Uh, You know, how how do I raise my family better? How can I be more of an influence at work? How can, uh, you know, I help people? Uh, how can I help the people in Walmart that I see, the people in Target, the, the, the places that I go, the, uh, the teachers at my kids' school, the other family members, the other parents? How can I make an influence in the world? Everybody's searching for this. Um, I wish I could say that just finding God is the answer, but it's not. The answer is in God. But if God were the answer, if it was just asking Jesus into your heart, making him the Lord of your life, if that was just the end of it, uh, then I don't think I'd see as many Christians asking the same questions as we do people that are not Christians. Uh, People in the world are asking the same questions that people in church are asking, and and I think it's time for the church to be able to answer some people's questions. So we've been talking about purpose, and the definition of the very word purpose means the original intent, the original intent for something. It answers the question, why? Whenever you discover the purpose for something, you're answering the question, why? Why do I have money? Why do I have a job? Why do I go to church? Why am I here? You're asking the purpose of it. You're asking, you want to find out the reason for something. What was the original intent? And then we also discussed in our first message that when you don't know purpose, Abuse is inevitable. If you don't know the purpose for something, you will use it inappropriately. And again, same examples we've been using, uh, medication. Medication designed for a specific person, a purpose to, uh, you know, cure a cold or take away a headache or, you know, alleviate pain. The same thing that we use for a purpose, if we don't know the purpose for it, if we use it outside of its purpose becomes a drug it's called drug abuse you misuse it and now it can hurt you or damage you and so we've got to discover purpose there's a lot of people that are um using their lives inappropriately because we don't know the purpose for them we don't know why we're here we don't know what we're supposed to be doing with the money we have with the jobs that we have the careers the family uh and so inevitably we have job abuse Uh, We have money abuse, we have marital abuse, we have child abuse because we don't know why we have these things or what we're supposed to be doing with them. So we need to discover the purpose for it. Um, So we've been going through these past several weeks. Remember last week uh, we talked about selling out to your purpose. Um, Again, you're going to see a lot of allusions to um, products and manufacturers and 
selling a product because every product first began as an idea in someone's head. The iPhone was an idea in someone's head. We have an iPod, and we want to also be able to use the same device to be able to make phone calls on and obviously do a million other things. But it first began as an idea in someone's head. No one created the iPhone and said, well, what are we going to do with that? And God, he is the greatest manufacturer of all time. He didn't create anything without first figuring out what the purpose was going to be for that thing. It's amazing when you look in Genesis chapter 1, and after almost every single thing that God created, he stated the purpose for it. He said, let there be light. And he said, the light will separate from darkness. And he said, the light will be called day, and the darkness will be called night. Then he said, uh, let there be a firmament. What will the firmament do? It will divide the waters between the heavens. Then he said, let there be dry land. What will that do? That will separate land from water. Then he said, let there be animals in the ocean. Let uh, seed bear forth trees, and then trees carry the seed so that it can keep on reproducing. There was a, uh, a pattern that he had here of stating the purpose for everything he created. Then we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And he says, let us make man in our image. Now, this is where we think all of a sudden God was confused and did something by accident or just put something in the earth but didn't really know what he was doing and then is still trying to figure out what to do with us. I think there's a lot of people that think that God is still trying to figure out why we're here. And that's just not a true statement. God does nothing without having a purpose for the thing. First. Purpose always precedes creation. He doesn't create till he knows why he's creating something. So he says, let, there, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Then what does he do? He states man's purpose. And this is kind of where I want to go today. Um, the title of my message, it's obviously not in there, but the title of my message today is In Stock and Ready to Ship. In Stock and Ready to Ship. I want to talk about getting yourself sold as a product to the world. And so today I want to talk about five things that you have to be convinced of in your life before you will fully discover your purpose. Everybody's trying to discover their purpose. Um, I'll tell you what I'm not going to be able to do in this series is be able to go down the line to each of you individually and say, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're supposed to do. But I believe that if you take the principles, the things that we've been going over in God's Word, I believe if you take these things that we've been looking at over the last four weeks, and I still have a couple more weeks that we want to discuss this, I believe your uh, purpose is going to come to the surface. I believe you're going to start to find out, that's it. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. First of all, let me say this, that everybody has a general purpose and a specific purpose. Everybody has a general purpose and a specific purpose. General meaning, and I know this is a broad statement, but it's truth, and we'll look at it in God's Word. Every single person on the face of the planet that has ever been created that is 
here today and that ever will be created was created for the one, for one reason. Everybody. All 7.6 billion people that are on the face of the planet right now were created to do one thing. And that we discover that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's look at it together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Right there in that one verse, God has just stated the purpose for all of mankind. Remember we saw over in Proverbs chapter 19 that God said, the word says, that when God creates a plan or a purpose, it lasts forever. It endures forever. There's nothing you can do to change it. God's purpose and God's plan is always the same. God's purpose in the beginning for the son is still the same purpose that he has for the son today. The purpose that he had in the beginning for uh, the ocean is the same purpose he has today for the ocean. So now we get here to mankind. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And we'll talk about that next week. We're going to talk about design and function. We're going to talk about the image of this product. Because image sells the product. When You don't buy the iPhone just because of what it looks like, but you learn its design, you learn its functions, and you, re- you understand, does that benefit me or does it not benefit me? So we were created in God's image and in his likeness. That's how you were created. But we need to answer the why. And he states it right there. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That right there is man's purpose from the beginning all the way to the end. Same purpose. The purpose that was given to Adam is the same purpose that was given to you. What is that purpose? To control the earth to have dominion on the earth now this might sound a little weird because a lot of us uh you know we've thrown the term out there and we've done it rightfully so saying god is in control god is in control a tornado comes god is in control a hurricane comes you know god is in control man i I just got a report i've got cancer in my body but you know what God is in control. And we've thrown that out there, but the Bible does not back up that statement at all. The Bible does not back that statement up. Um, Let me lay a little foundation here. God is a king. God is a king. That is who he is. He's our father, which only makes you royalty. If If you're a child of a king, you become royalty but god is a king and he rules a kingdom because a kingdom is simply the dimension or the domain that a king rules over if you are the king of england then that means you are the ruler over 
England. You don't have any access to France. You don't have any access to Germany. England is your domain. And the Bible says that God is king, but he rules in heaven. And when he created the earth, he wanted to extend what was in heaven into a seen realm. Heaven is unseen. You cannot get on a rocket ship and fly there. You can't get on a plane or boat and travel there. It is in an unseen realm. But this earth is in a seen realm. And God never intended to rule this earth. Never intended that. What he did in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 is he created a man, created a being that had control over all of it. Now, does that mean that we can do whatever we want? No. And we saw what happened two chapters later when Adam decided to do what he wanted to do. Adam was placed in control, in authority over this earthly realm to guard it, to protect, protect it, to subdue it. He was there to make sure everything went according to plan. But he had an obligation. He had to stay in accordance with God, the king in heaven. And so God started laying down some rules and started saying, this is what you have to do, this is what you can't do. And we obviously know the one that Adam broke was eating from a tree that God said, do not eat from. Well, here's what happens when you don't obey the authority over you. You lose your authority over anything else. Not only that, but when Adam disobeyed the king, the king of kings, and the Lord of Lords in heaven, he handed over his authority to Satan. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus himself said it, that Satan is now the ruler or the God of the earth. And that's why we see what we see today. We see what we see today not because God is doing things to try to mess up man. not doing. He's not putting sickness on people or causing calamity to happen around us because he's trying to teach us a lesson. Those things are happening because there is an evil ruler over the world called Satan. The Bible says that he roams the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to get you out of the earth. But, thank God, he put a plan in place because he's a purposeful God. He plans everything. And he designed a way to get you back in control. When Jesus came to the earth, he did not die on a cross. He did not go and endure the, the things he went through so you could get to heaven. It was never man's intention to be in heaven. You won't find anywhere in the garden where Adam and Eve were wandering around saying, All right, God, when are you going to take us back to heaven? First of all, they, didn't, they weren't in heaven to start with. God spoke them and made them out of the dust of the ground. So Adam and Eve weren't wandering around, even when things were perfect, looking for heaven. And God never changed his plan. Why? Because his plan is forever. His plan endures and lasts forever. His plan was for man, mankind, all of mankind, to rule on the earth, dominate it, control it, and subdue it. Well, Jesus shows up on the scene. And what does he start doing? He starts controlling everything around him. I mean, not only is he healing the sick, 
and causing natural sickness to come out of people's bodies. He's raising the dead. What's that control over? Flesh. Flesh is made out of what? Dust of the earth. We even see there's an instance where uh, him and his disciples, they're in a boat, and they're out in the middle of one of the worst storms ever. How do I know the storm was so bad? Because we got 12 fishermen on a boat, freaking out, thinking, about, th- thinking they're about to die. Now, I don't know about you, but if the captain starts freaking out that we're all about to die, then it's bad. <laughs> There's nothing I can do to help the captain out. He's leading this thing. He knows rough waters. He knows when storms are really bad, and when he's going off, it's there. Jesus is in the bottom of the boat sleeping. They wake him up saying, are you going to do anything about it? Why? Because they know, well, if anybody can do anything about it, this guy can because he controls everything around here. And he stands up in the middle of the boat and says what? Peace, be still. He calmed a storm like I would calm my child. (laughs) Like I would look at Camden and say, be still. He's talking to a storm. Why? Because I have control. He even caused a tree to wither up and die at its roots. That's some control. He cast out demons out of people. People that were demon possessed. Cast them out. Now that would be all great and everything. Okay, yeah, Jesus, the Son of God. Of course, he has control. I mean, he's different than all of us. But... Jesus makes a statement in John chapter 14, verse 12, and he says, Those who believe in me, the things that I have been doing this whole time while I've been on this earth, you will do, and even greater things. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't have said that. Because now, there's an obligation and responsibility on my life to discover how in the world Do I do what he did and do the great things that he did and do even greater things than he did? It's a part of me that's like, did you have to say that? It's almost like in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when he said, let them have dominion. It's a part of me that's almost like, why couldn't we have tag-teamed this thing? Why didn't you say, let us have dominion? I'll be working with you. No, he placed man in charge. So, that is the general purpose for every human being on the planet. I can't go all the way into depth. I can't show you every verse. There's verses in Psalms that said that say, uh, the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, this realm, where we are at, he's given to man. So what's that mean? It means it's time for us to start taking care of some stuff. That means we're in charge. That means we're in control. Not on our own, not doing what we want to do, but what his word tells us to do, what his Holy Spirit speaks to us and says to do, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? Five things I want to give you this morning that you need to be convinced of if you want to have if you want to discover your purpose. The first thing that we see here in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six. God has something he wants to do that makes you necessary. We've looked at that for a few weeks now. God has something that he's trying to get done in the earth 
that makes you necessary, that makes you coming into this planet necessary for life. Every person. God does everything on purpose. We all know when our kids have done something on accident or have done something on purpose. Accident means unintentional. I didn't mean to. It just happened. But God does nothing by accident. He didn't create roaches by accident. He didn't create mosquitoes by accident. He didn't create crocodiles and elephants by accident. Everything has a purpose, whether we know it or not. Just because you don't know your purpose does not make you obsolete. Understand that. Just because you haven't discovered it doesn't mean it's not out there. That just means we need to figure it out. We need to find out what is our purpose. And the first thing we need to understand is that if you're going to discover your purpose, you need to realize that God is trying to do something in the earth, and you are necessary to get that accomplished. There's a reason why you're here. John chapter 17, verse 15. We've kind of we've looked at this verse for a few weeks now and talking about some other stuff, but I want to look at this. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying to his Father. He's getting ready to die on the cross. He's in the garden praying. This is the same prayer where he said, Lord... Uh, if there's any other way for this to happen, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And then he ends it with, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. But look what he says here in John chapter 17, verse 15. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. That's interesting. I thought the whole reason he went to the cross was so that we could go to heaven. And he says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one, from the enemy. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Look what he says here in verse 18. If you don't think that you're supposed to do the same thing Jesus did, then explain this verse. As you have sent me into the world, I send them into the world. Now obviously that doesn't mean that we are supposed to die on a cross like he did. It's talking about the overall purpose. The general purpose. Last week we talked about assignments. We talked about being sold out to your assignment and allowing your life to be driven by your assignment. We've all heard of the purpose-driven life. There's a book out called The Purpose-Driven Life. I want to write one called The Assignment-Driven Life because your purpose is made up of different assignments. And so our assignment may be different than Jesus's, but the overall purpose, he's saying, the reason you sent me into the earth, I'm sending them into the earth. I'm sending them into the world. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. And he says, I don't pray that you should take them out. So the second thing you need to be convinced of in your life is that your existence is proof that the world needs what you have. Your very existence, the reason that you were born, you being here, 
is proof that you have something the world needs. Period. Just you being here, just your very existence shows there must be something in me that the world needs that I need to pull out. Okay? Jesus didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world, but that we would remain in it. Why? Because your purpose isn't in heaven. Your purpose isn't in heaven. There's nothing about your purpose that has anything to do with heaven except bringing heaven here. That's why Jesus said when he taught his disciples how to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does he say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even when he taught his disciples to pray, he was saying, here's your focus. Get what's going on up there, here. That's our purpose. That is the design of our lives. So just your existence is proof that the world needs what you have. Okay? Uh, Psalms chapter 139. Psalms 139, verse 13. says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought, put together in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written. What he's saying there is, uh, you've already written my life out like a book. You've already laid it out, and now you just want me to walk it out page by page, chapter by chapter. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. He's saying, before I was even created, before I was even thought of, you had already skillfully put me together. You have already... You have already destined me, and this is what we'll talk about in the upcoming weeks, is your design. He's already placed in you everything you need to accomplish your purpose. And that's where skills and talents come in. Um, The third thing you need to be convinced of in your life, the third thing you need to understand if you're going to discover your purpose, is everything about you is a resource to help Propel your purpose. Everything about you is a resource to help you fulfill the purpose you have for your life. And this is kind of where we get shady sometimes is, well, I don't, I'm not really good at anything. Or, you know, I, I, I can't do this. Or I can't do that. Yet God says in his word in Psalms chapter 139, that he skillfully put you together before you were even created, before you ever came out, before you even thought about. He already had an idea. Why? Because the manufacturer always has the idea before he has the product. Everything in you see, everything you see in this room, this stand, the drum set, the TVs, the monitors, the lamp, these chairs, 
they first began in someone's head. And they already had it put together. When you build a home, do you just call up some construction guys and say, hey, bring some lumber and bring some plumbing and let's see what we get? Where does the house first get built? On paper. It's an idea. And then it gets drawn out. And then you build it according to the plans. Well, God says, I've already written your book. Remember, we said this in the beginning, that God, before he starts something, he already knows the end of it. I tell you, that's, that's exciting. He's already written your book. He's just waiting for you to walk it out. A lot of times we think that God is walking our life out with us, hand in hand. All right, let's see what we're going to do today. Let's see what we come across today. Let's see what problems come against us today. And he's saying, I already know about the problems you're going to come into contact with before you even come to contact. And here's the other thing. He already knows how to get you out of the problem before you got in the problem. He already knows your way out before you even got in. It's all written out. It's all done. He has shut the book and he says, now do this. It's already laid out. He skillfully wrought you. He skillfully, thoughtfully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. Good luck finding an excuse not to be used by God. If you read the Bible, you will find many people with excuses. Excuse after excuse. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. One of them was, in, uh, was Jeremiah, the prophet. And Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 5. God tells Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That means set apart for a, for a particular task. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now here was the problem. Jeremiah didn't think he could speak well. It's funny how God called him to be the very thing that seemed like he had an issue doing. God, let me use my hands or something. You know, let me, let me build something. And he's saying, no, you're going to be a prophet, which is going to require you to speak. And he says, but, you know, I, I stutter. I, I, I'm not even able to speak well. God says, hey, I knew you before you were created. I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. I have already set you apart for this. I have given you every skill, every resource, everything you need to accomplish the purpose I have for your life. No excuses. So we have to realize that everything about you is a resource uh, in your life to help you propel your purpose. Here's the other thing you got to learn. you got to uh realize about that is nobody else can do what you're called to do now i got to explain that one a little bit because then we think okay if i die and i don't accomplish my purpose that that particular task will go undone that's not true because god said in his word that his purpose is forever which means if you don't get it done somebody else will do it but you don't want to be in that boat Moses was a great leader. Moses was a great man of God. 
But he did not take the people in the promised land like he was supposed to. Did they still get in the promised land? Yes. God rose up Joshua. But Moses was not able to. Why? Because he disobeyed God. And God said, you're not going to be able to go in now. You're not going to be able to lead my people in. Somebody else will do it. I'll tell you right now, God works in generations. God works in generations. That's why generational curses are so huge. Because, see, here's the thing. The enemy knows the purpose that's on your life. But if he can keep you from accomplishing it, he knows there's somebody else behind you that is going to be called to do it. And it's usually within your family and people that you have influence on. So if he can cause your children to have the same problems you're having, then he's got it all the way down the line, and that purpose will never get accomplished. Well, I'm here to tell you today that if you discover your purpose, then you can, ta- you can uh, pass that on to your children. I want my son to accomplish the purpose for his life, but I want him to see a father that is willing to lay aside everything to accomplish his purpose, my purpose. I don't want to let anything in my life that can be a stumbling block for him later on and me not achieve my purpose and then on top of that keep him from achieving his purpose. I want to pass on I achieved and you achieved. Now it's not always a guarantee. King David passed on some great stuff to Solomon, but in the end Solomon failed. In the end, Solomon, who had a thousand wives, 700 wives and 300 concubines, allowed way too much of the world in his life, and he ended up establishing altars for all these pagan gods and fell away from the very God that his father worshipped and lived for. Okay? But you've got to understand that if in you, you've been skillfully put together for your purpose, that means nobody else can do it. Sometimes we go there, well, you know, this person can do it. Well, you know, there's other people that are doing that. No, there's a specific assignment on your life that nobody else can do. Jesus knew nobody else can do this assignment. I'm the only one that can go to the cross. I'm the only one that can take what I have been skillfully and thoughtfully been built for to do. Nobody else can do that. And thank God he fulfilled his purpose. Amen? Uh, The fourth thing that you need to be convinced of in your life is that your purpose can be carried out in multiple ways. Your purpose... Uh, the, the best way for me to explain it is purpose is big picture. And assignment is little. Purpose is general. Assignment is specific. And your purpose can be carried out in multiple ways. Example, King David. King David was first a shepherd. He was also a warrior. A soldier. He became a soldier. Defeated Goliath, and he defeated many other people, many other nations. He's also a king. But on top of that, he was a father, and he was a husband. There may be many assignments and many roles 
that are assigned to your life, but they are all to help accomplish the overall task, the overall purpose. So you've got to understand, if you're seeking, if you want to discover your purpose, begin to look at the roles in your life. I'm a business owner. I'm a father. I'm a husband or a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a son or daughter. I'm a student. I'm a church member. These are now assignments or roles for you to help you carry out the overall purpose for your life. And so we can't look at any assignment and hate it or any assignment. See, that's why, and we talked about this last week with our jobs. Your job or your career is an assignment in your life. If we have any stay-at-home moms, my, mom, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. That is an assignment. I'm tired of seeing stay-at-home moms that are, one of, that are just seeking a job or seeking to career, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but if God has assigned for you to be a stay-at-home mom, then you do that as if that was the only assignment in your life. God has placed you around those kids in your life to be an influence for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not telling, I'm not saying wives need to stay home and that's the only thing. I, I, I don't put me in that against women's rights box. You can't do this, you can't do that. I've seen very many successful women. I, I know there's pastors' wives that are right there, neck and neck with their husbands, ministering and doing all kinds of stuff. But there's also pastors' wives that are behind the scenes, and they're helping with kids, and they're helping organize and administrate things. We don't put people in boxes. But I, I have seen stay-at-home moms that feel like they're doing nothing. Well, I'm just around these kids all day. Absolutely, because that is who you're supposed to be influencing with the kingdom of God. That is your assignment in your life. Discover your purpose with the children that you have. There's nothing greater than being able to carry down Christian lifestyles and, and Christian thoughts and behaviors to children. I'll tell you what, the enemy's already trying to get them. When I was in children's ministry down in St. Augustine, I was dealing with stuff that when I was 18 years old, I'd never even thought of in my entire life with a 10-year-old. Unbelievable. I mean, it made me sick to my stomach when I got the phone calls. Thinking 10 and 11-year-olds are, when I graduated high school, it never even thought, never even crossed my mind to do something like that. So value being able to influence and invest in your children. If God's called you outside of the home to work a job, then guess what? That's your assignment. And those people that you work with, you hear me say this so many times. Look, I, I, I hope that in, in everything that I do, everything that I say, every message that comes across, I hope tomorrow morning you're able to wake up and put it to use. I believe that the Word of God is the most relevant thing on the face of the planet. It will meet you right where you're at. If you have $2 or $2 million, if you have a career or you're still searching, if you're a student or if you're grown up and ready to retire, the Word is the most relevant thing on the face of the planet. But I believe that there are a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers that preach the Word irrelevantly. 
It doesn't mean anything to anybody. It's over their heads. I just heard everything, and now I walk out of here, and I'm like, what in the world was just said? I want you to be able to clock into work tomorrow and say, I'm going to put that to use today. I want you to be able to go home with your kids this afternoon and say, I'm going to apply that. I want you to be able to go to Target and be thinking the word of God that was put in you today. That's why almost every single service I pray that the word goes forth with clarity. Does no good if you don't understand what I'm saying. I can sit up here and speak all kinds of theological, doctrinal garbage. When it comes down to it, I want you to be able to know what to do when you can't pay that bill tomorrow. I want you to know what to do when a cold tries to come on you or a doctor's report says, you know, something very negative or your husband says he's leaving you or uh, you go to work and they say everybody's losing their jobs. I want you to know what to be able to do in those situations. That's my desire is that I don't preach something that I'm just filling time. I want you to be able to use it. And so that's what we're doing. And so your purpose can be carried out in many different assignments. Do not uh, devalue the assignments in your life. And it causes you to look. What are all the different roles that I play in my life? And how can I allow the kingdom of God to influence every single one of those roles? Do I have uh, employers, employees under me? Do I have employers over me? Is there a, a sphere or circle of influence that I have? It may be your kids, or it may be your business, whatever. And this is how you discover your purpose, is understanding that those different assignments are different roles to help you achieve the overall purpose. The last thing, the fifth thing that you have to be convinced of if you're going to discover your purpose, and this is probably one of the most important, and this is where we can tend to miss it a little bit, but your position causes your purpose to be fulfilled. We call it being in the right place at the right time. Some of us may call it being in the will of God. Whatever you want to call it, your position directly influences how you fulfill your purpose. I want to give you some examples. For sake of time, I'm not going to read every passage. First, let me do this. Let me give you some natural examples, and then we'll go to the Word. A battery. There's a battery in my little microphone pack back here. But I also have a battery right here. I didn't even mean to do this, but I brought it up here. Now I know why I brought it up here. This battery does nobody any good because it's out of position. This battery is helping me out right now. It's helping my voice to be projected through these speakers. Not really so you can hear me. You can probably hear me without it. We do this because we're recording these things. But this battery, it's out of position. It could be brand new, and I'm sure it is, full of stored energy but helping nobody. Everybody in this room right now is full of potential, full of purpose. There's not one person in here that was an accident. There's not one person. I don't care if you're trying to figure your purpose out, if you have no clue, if you think you got an idea, if you know what it is. 
You are full of purpose. Your position determines if you're being used. Take an athlete. Just about every sport has positions for the team. Football, baseball, basketball. There's positions. Last night I was watching a game. I was watching a baseball game. And um, the, it was the bottom of the 10th inning. The home team was at the plate with the bases loaded. And there was only, no, there were no outs. No outs. With the bases loaded, if a ball goes to the outfield, even if the outfielder caught it, the runner on third can still come home and score the, the winning run. So all the batter needs to do is get it to the outfield. So the other team brought one of their outfielders in to the infield. Why? Because we want to close that up as much as possible. If it's hit on the ground, the more guys we have on the infield, we'll, we can turn a double play or at least there won't be any gaps in the infield where it can slip through somebody. That's what we're hoping for. If it goes to the outfield, it doesn't matter if we don't have our guy on the outfield because even if he caught it, the game's still over. But now, and, and they, it happened. The, the guy hit a ground ball. As soon as he got it, threw the ball home. They couldn't turn a double play at first base, but at least they got the guy home. So now bases are still loaded, one out. And they kept the outfielder on the infield. And I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of risky because, you know, if, if the batter hits it to a short part of the outfield, but there's no outfielder there, it, it's going to land. But you could potentially get a double play and throw the guy out if he tries to tag home. So it's pretty risky, but they kept it that way. So now we got one out, two outfielders. Wait, I mean, the whole center infield is completely wide open. And uh, five infielders, again. Well, sure enough, the batter hits this little bloop to the outfield that I'm convinced the left fielder would have caught it if he was in the right position. But since he was out of position because he's you know, trying to cover more of an area than he's supposed to be, he caught the ball. Or no, he, he, he didn't catch the ball. He didn't even make it to where the ball was. I'm convinced had he been in his position, he could have caught the ball, thrown the ball home, at least got the guy out if he was trying to run home. If the guy would have even tried to run home, I don't think the guy would have tried to run home. Ball game. What am I saying? Out of position. Out of position, the right fielder was not able to fulfill his purpose for that position. Had he been in the right position, he could have fulfilled the purpose. Your position means everything. You can be full potential. That outfielder had plenty of potential to catch the ball and throw it home and get the guy out at home plate had he been in the right position. But since he was out of, out of position, his potential went for nothing. This battery is doing nothing right now. It's out of position. It's not helping me. It's not helping anybody. But if you get it in its position, guess what? Now, where it's at can draw on its power. There's people that need to draw on what you have inside of you. So this is why you got to hear from God. This is why you got to see everything as an assignment. 
God, I hate this job. I hate these people I work with. They, they're always cussing. They're always, you know, talking bad. Uh, you know, they're always complaining. You know, they talk bad about me. They complain about the boss. If you leave before it's time, then they can't draw on what's inside of you that could potentially change them. Now, when it's time for you to change assignments, God will let you know. And I've been there. I had to hear from God to come here. Because I was in a position where I even thought I was being effective, and I was. But I'll tell you right now, if I was in Florida right now and not here, I would be outside of the will of God. I would be out of position, and you wouldn't be able to draw on the influence that is in my life. I could be full of potential to pastor a church in Valdosta, Georgia, but being out of position does not allow me to influence you or help you. I'd be like a battery that's sitting on a podium instead of in the mic pack it's supposed to be in. Look at these people in the Bible. I'm going to just call these references out. They are in the uh, version notes. If, you have, if you're writing on pen or anything, you can write them down real quick. You can uh, look them up throughout the week when you're going back over these notes because I know you're going to. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. What's he saying? In the very next verse, he says, I will make you a father of many nations. Within Abraham was the potential to be a father of many nations. Although, naturally, he couldn't even have a child. And he's 75 years old at this time. And we know he didn't even have Isaac until he was 100. But the potential was inside of him. But he first had to get in position. He had to get out from where he was and go to where God had called him. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, 7 through 10 uh, is God speaking to Moses. I'm not going to read the passage, but God shows up to Moses in a burning bush. He's hanging out. He actually ran away from Egypt because he killed somebody back there, and they're looking for him. And so God shows up uh, in this uh, passage. Um, you don't have to put it up, Brown. I'm not, not going to read them. That's all right. Um, but he shows up, and God's telling him, I hear the cries of my people in Egypt. And I can just picture Moses. Yes, their deliverance is coming. And he says, I- I've heard the cries, and I'm going, to, I'm going to deliver them from Pharaoh. Awesome, yeah. Let's, yeah, that's great. That's awesome, God. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Whoa. Hold on a minute. Sending, sending me? And then the excuses start flying. And boy, he had a whole lot of them. You read that passage, he couldn't, like, he's just like pulling stuff out of thin air, man. I can't talk right. Uh, you know, they're, they're wanting to kill me. Uh, you know, just coming up, he starts bringing up stuff about his family. Just all kinds of stuff, man. We've all been there. We've all had the excuses. I, I'm not big enough. Uh, you know, I wasn't raised in the right type of family. I didn't get the right type of education. Uh, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't know enough people. Uh, I'm not living in the right place. I need to do this first. We've all been there. But what does God do? God relocates him. He repositions him and says, you're going to Pharaoh. Got to get in the right position. We see another man named Elijah. You can write it down. First Kings chapter 17. Uh, verses 8 through 16. 
is the story of Elijah and a famine has come on the land. That means there's no water, uh, nothing to replenish the ground, uh, the plants, uh, animals are dying. We all know what a famine is, a drought. And so God has him at a specific place by a brook that's running with water. And he's even got birds bringing him hamburgers every day. It was hamburgers. It was bread and meat. I don't know what else. That's what we call a hamburger. I don't know what they used to call it back then. Probably just bread and meat. That's what we call a Big Mac. Okay? So we got birds flying down, bringing him breakfast and dinner every day. Great little setup. Then the brook dries up and the birds keep uh, quit coming. Now what? Well, God says, I want you to go to this. And he repositions him. I want you to go... <laughs> He doesn't say, I want you to go to this rich person's house that's got all kinds of food stored up and they're going to take care of you there. He says, I want you to go to this widow's house who they're getting ready to make their last meal and die and take what she has. That's pretty rude, but that's how God works. And he ended up uh, operating in a great miracle for that woman's life. What What did he do? Reposition. Elijah's purpose, all the potential inside would have gone undone wasted because he didn't move when God repositioned him. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17, we got David. His brothers are out fighting a battle, and his dad says, I want you to take some bread and cheese to your brothers. Well, he shows up, and they ends up, ends up being in front of a giant named Goliath. And this ended up propelling David's ministry and future and purpose. Had he not been obedient, remained out of position, he had never been there to fight the giant. Okay? Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus says, But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. Why? Because for this purpose I have come forth. Jesus even understood, I need to be in the right position at the right time. I need to be obedient. When God tells me to go, I go. When he tells me to do this, I do this. When he tells me to say this, I say this. He was always following God's positioning. And then uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we see the apostles there praying. And it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now we see the Holy Spirit speaking up and saying, This is where you need to be positioned. This is where you need to go. Your positioning has everything to do with your purpose being fulfilled. Look, if you're wanting to discover your purpose, if you're trying to find out who am I, what am I supposed to do, let's make sure we're in the right position. I tell you right now, church is a great place to get positioned. This is a great place to get direction. This is a great place to to hear that guidance from the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul said about the church. In Romans chapter 12, he says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So your purpose affects somebody else. Your purpose will always affect other people. So you need to be in the right position affecting the right people. And even, even in church, you can affect people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. But our presentable parts, they have no need. 
But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God places you in the body, the Bible says, as it pleases him. As it pleases him. So we need to get positioned, even in the body. There is a purpose, an assignment, even in this church for you. And God wants you positioned so your purpose can come to fruition. He wants you positioned so you can fulfill the purpose. Remember we said, until you discover purpose, you will never be satisfied. You will never be content. And you will live unfulfilled. Until you discover that purpose. I told you last week that, you know, we, we're hearing stories of athletes, uh, you know, Hollywood stars, rich people that seem to have everything that we all think we're chasing after. If I could get enough of this and enough of that. And we think that's what we're looking for. That'll fulfill me. That'll satisfy. That'll make me content. But we're seeing they're dying off. We're seeing them. They're, they're killing themselves. They're leaving this earth never knowing why they had all that they had. There are those right now, athletes, people with fame, that are using it for the right reasons. Tim Tebow, he's using his recognition to get people in the world to recognize one person. And that's God. And there's many other athletes that are doing it. There's other stars that are doing it. There are people that they don't even, they're not even doing it necessarily for a kingdom cause. But they're finding satisfaction, not in getting more money, but in finding ways to give it away and help other people. That's what, that is what brings fulfillment. That's what brings satisfaction, enjoyment. We all want to live joyful lives. We all want to live fulfilled lives. I'll tell you right now, the people in my life that I know that are the happiest, excited, are the ones that give anything away and that understand why they have what they have. Understand why they have the jobs because they're influencing other people. Understand why they have the money because they're influencing other people. Understand why they have uh, the leadership skills that they have to be able to command a crowd to influence other people. They're giving, their, they're giving themselves away. Those are the most satisfied, content, fulfilled people I know. It's because they've discovered purpose. We have to discover our purpose. Now that we all know the general reason why you're here, you're here to dominate this earth. You're here to control it. You're here to allow and disallow things in the earth. Now, how do we do that within our assignments? How do I allow the kingdom of God in my home? How do I allow the kingdom of God uh, to take place in my workplace? How do I allow uh, myself to be led by the Holy Spirit in Target? That's what we have to find out. Because that involves our purpose. That involves why you are here. That involves what 
you're supposed to be doing. And so I pray through these messages that we're finding that out. I want to let you know that I printed up some cards, and I want everyone to take one for yourself. Take more than one. You need to put this on your dashboard in your car. You need to put this on your computer screen at work. You need to put this on your mirror in your bathroom. You need to hand these out to people that are struggling with this, people that you're hearing that are saying, I I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I I don't know if I'm in the right place. Get on this card. It has the, the statements that we've been saying every week. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's life without a purpose. Living and not knowing why is worse than dying and not knowing life. The greatest challenge in life is knowing what to do. We're all challenged with it. What am I supposed to do? The greatest mistake in life is being successful in the wrong assignment. That's why we're talking about the assignment-driven life. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. The greatest failure in life is to be busy but not effective. Busyness is what we replace purpose with. Well, if I'm just doing something, let's get busy doing the right thing and let's affect people for the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, I thank